with taste buddy we've based it all on truth like we you know you can't you can't be greedy you can't be bought by money everything to in order to run taste buddy it has to be ran off of truth for it to run correctly mm -hmm. and uh and and it's it's so that everybody can live the american dream and you don't have to have investors you it's literally built from the ground floor up to where you can start with absolutely nothing and we give you everything you need analytics your storefront your virtual storefront property on it you know yeah and um, and and everything else in order to manage a a very good business Welcome back to the Venturing Out Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Fontaine. Today, we are joined by Jared and Kristen Medulla, co-founders of TasteBuddy. With the huge growth in the digital marketplace and in shipping and delivering food, it made sense for TasteBuddy to fill one of the major gaps in the food industry, which is the ability for people to search for, sell, and market their homemade food online and in one place. TasteBuddy brings that to one central location by providing shoppers a way to search for and find what they want and a way for home chefs, local restaurants, and community markets to sell and market their products from anywhere at any time. Their mission is to provide a better way for people to get their passion for food known throughout the world in a cost-effective way and to give food shoppers a consistent way to search and discover what they love all in one place. Again, we are excited to have Jared and Kristen here, and we welcome them to the show. Hey, Jared and Kristen, uh, thanks for being here. We're, we're glad that you could join us and share a little bit about your story and about Taste Buddy. For our listeners, it helps to provide context for who you are. Start by telling us a little bit about, about yourself, maybe where you're from, where you went to school, how you two met, um, just your story in general. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Looking forward to this. Um, so I'm Kristen uh, Medulla, um, and I'm joined with Jared, my husband. So a little bit about me, I guess. Um, I'm originally from El Paso, Texas, little border town. I was born and raised there. Um, right out of high school, I went to um, Texas Tech University. I actually started there in the summer. So I took a couple of classes in the summer to sort of get my feet wet in the whole college world. Um, spent the next, I guess, four, four-ish years there, um, really kind of trying to decide what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I went through, I don't know, probably five or six majors, finally landed on um, restaurant, hotel, and institutional management. And the reason I decided that was, um, you know, that industry is just so fun and unique and active. And I felt like everything that I did prior to that was just like work right? It was just school and work and homework assignments and research and study. And at that time, you know, for me being so active, I also played tennis at Texas Tech. I just wanted something fun and outgoing. And um, so that's where sort of that RIM department came in. Um, and then as far as, you know, just some of my background in, in my career, I started off again with, with sort of the restaurant business. I loved it, but I also, again, loved being active and being outside and you know, just doing things other than staying in a building all day. Right. I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what I would do for at least half the day of every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually got recruited 
by one of my, um, you know, one of my, my vendors, one of my reps and who said, you need to come join us. And the, the same sort of field, restaurant, hotel, institutional management, but let's do it. You know, I think you'd be great on the sales side. So I thought, oh, that'd be great. So that's sort of how I shifted my career into um, more of the, the sales oriented um, side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it just kind of grew. And, um, you know, it's where I met Jared uh, at, while I was in college. It was my last semester in school. Um, I thought I was going to move away, move out of state, move, move somewhere far away. And then he showed up. So, <laughs> so he hooked you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I decided to stay and, and it was awesome. So, um, so yeah, a little bit about Jared, I guess. Yeah. I appreciate you having us on. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm from, uh, originally from a little town, uh, Abilene, Texas, a uh, little town, almost West Texas. And, um, same thing. I went to college at San Angelo State and uh, played rugby there uh, for for a couple of years, and then moved up. I, I was going through the RN program and decided to go try something different, and uh, moved up to Lubbock, and uh, ended up going through the uh, surgical technology world and did that for a year. And I met Kristen, and um, I played tech for, or played rugby for tech for a, a couple of weeks till they found out I didn't go to school there. And then I, was, <laughs> then I couldn't play with them anymore, but, uh, you know, but then, um, that's kind of where I, I met Kristen, but I also cut my teeth in the music industry and started, uh, yeah. playing, you know, singing and writing songs and, and doing that. And we met and, and I did the, the surgical tech thing for about a year at Covenant Hospital up there and loved it. I absolutely loved what I did, but uh, the music industry was really pulling at my heart. So uh, Kristen, she's always been a huge supporter of that with me. And and uh, she said, well, basically quit whining about it and go and go do it. <laughs> and I, I got your back. So um so that's what I, you know, I did, but that's what you did full time. And I think something that he did on the side was, um, he was just really, really, he kicked he, for one, he kicked me out of the kitchen. So I was like, Oh, this, <laughs> this, this is a winner. Somebody that kicks me out of the kitchen is great. Um, but, but no, in all seriousness, he, he's a very, very great creator, food creator. Mm-hmm. He's a cook, he cooks things from scratch and he's always sort of had this passion to open up his reopen, I guess, his family's um, Sicilian American sort of restaurant. Yeah. So that's sort of, I'll, I'll kind of let you uh, run with that. But I think that's a, a good segue into sort of where Taste Buddy or part of Taste Buddy came, came about. Yeah. So that's what I, you know, cooked all through college. My brother cooks, it's just, you know, family recipes and stuff. And, and uh, you kind of take it for granted until, the old school restaurants start kind of shutting down and then you realize nobody's really cooking an old school way anymore. At least what the flavors we grew up with. Right. Right. A lot of good Italian restaurants around here, but uh, there was only one around the Dallas area that, that reminded me of growing up um, with my grandma cooking. And so, you know, I cooked in college for everybody and just never thought much about it. It's just what you do, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, I was sitting there cooking one day 
Well, I think that just to back up a little bit, I think Jared's always, you know, he's had this dream. We've been, we've been together for almost 20 years. He's had this dream of opening that restaurant. So we've always dreamed together, right? He had Mm -hmm. logistics set up. He had the design, just everything set up of what he wanted to do and what he wanted to cook. And he, he really honed in on that craft of consistency, right? Of, of the, the meals or, or whatever he, the product he was going to get to serve. Um, but there was just never that I come from the restaurant industry. So Mm -hmm. although I supported his dream, I was very much also the one that was like, okay, do you know what really happened? Like this is, that's fun. But the stuff that's kind of not fun is you're in a building all day, every day for 14 hours, you have limited time with your family. You have limited time, you know, all, all these sort of cons that came about. I was sort of that one that said, I just want you to know it's not all you know, rainbows and sunshine, um, plus the resources and the financial sort of aspect of it. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I, I, I watched a lot of my friends open up restaurants. Um, some lose their families, lose their quality of life. It was just, it, it was tough. It was yeah. great, but it was also tough. Um, so, so anyway, so that was always something that he said was, I'm in the music industry. I'm a family guy. I'm never, I'm just not going to do it. I'm never going to open up that restaurant. And it was, it was terrible to hear, you know, I, I felt like I needed to help in some sort of way. And so that went on fast forward, you know, 20 years later. And finally we were sitting in the kitchen and he was like, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to stop dreaming about it. It's not going to happen. And I thought, okay, there are so many people that have to be in the same boat as you, right? There has got to be a way that you guys can still do that. You guys can have your dream of being able to open up a restaurant. Like, is there a way we could, you guys could do it digitally like have some sort of virtual restaurant. And that got his mind. He said, what? Virtual restaurant? Mm-hmm. And that I mean, was the idea of, of, of Taste Buddy and where we right. are today. So um, what it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So what it sounds like, I mean, so you've got Jared. Jared, it sounds like you've been a creative your entire life. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. Basically. And and I, I love Kristen talking about coming in and kind of being the backbone of the logistics and trying to merge the two. And so you found this disparity between being able to open your own restaurant and live the quality of life that you wanted uh, to where there are opportunity costs to opening your restaurant. And so what Kristen's saying essentially is, yeah, you can do it. And I've seen people try to do it, but as soon as they do, they often lose time with their family. They lose, you know, maybe... the the restaurant may not work out. It may be a a very niche idea. I'm not saying that yours wouldn't have. I mean, I would kill for some Sicilian, some like home cooked Sicilian (laughs) food. My, so my aunt Luann, she's Sicilian uh, or our our entire family is, and she'll come down from Manhattan like once every three years. And she brings four suitcases. One has, one has her clothes. The three others have food. (laughs) <laughs> and, and when she comes down, I mean, it's this huge production we love it. I mean, it, you, you get it. It's a full, like three days of just eating. Just and, eat. Yeah. And happy yeah. full yes. and yeah. eating yeah. more. Yeah. My yeah. Fresh, I didn't get freshman 15. I got after Jared 15. Pounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, like there, there's such a, there's so much value in, in food and creating food that people love. And so when you're passionate about that, you often find that when people are passionate about anything, they take, that takes precedence over most. And so you found this disparity of people who are in Jared's position 
who wanted to wanted to create and share food with others because either it's a, it's important culturally for them or because they want you know they want to make some type of income but they'd often have to sacrifice family time or uh, you know capital in general's money and and so this is what you're trying to solve correct is yeah. this disparity this gap between what the creators want to do and maybe the logistics of getting it out there well and it's and it's funny because Kristen's background she had been in sales for I mean, she'd been number one in her companies that she had worked for for like six or seven years. And each company, she would learn something new, sell it and be number one. And then um, it was a long shot, I think, with the last uh, company she worked with because she was going from um, sales going into the the techie world. Yeah. And they weren't taking a lot of, of people in that hadn't had experience in that world. And so it just so happened that she got the job. She went and, and kicked its butt and uh, and learned a lot. And so between her path of that and then my path of the cooking and everything coming together to a head, and then she got the idea that day and uh, and hit like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody we kind of told about the idea, they kind of they kind of questioned it, you know, how are you going to do this? There's too many loops. You got to do this, this, and this. And, and she was like, you know what, I'm, I'm expediting this idea for the patent. And, and I just feel like it's what I got to do. And I mean, she jumped on it and I was proud of her for that because, you know, a lot of times in life, people get, get great ideas, but they don't capitalize on it. They're, they're afraid of it. They're, They're like, ah, that'll never work out. That idea is too big for me. And we kind of, I think through the music industry, it's uh, the music industry is a really tough business. And mm-hmm. I think through, through the music industry, we learned a lot about if you're going to do something, you do it a hundred percent and you go against the grain, you, you know, you don't do what everybody else is doing and you follow, you know, you follow your heart. And yeah, I mean, and that's very similar to business too. I mean, especially from an entrepreneurial perspective, uh, or a marketing perspective, most times where we see it, there is a first mover advantage, you know, and if you don't hop on an idea and someone beats you to it, you either have to be cheaper or better. Exactly. And then you jeopardize mm-hmm. sort of the value of it. And I think that's mm-hmm. what if you, I think somebody, you know, if you were to ever interview sort of a, uh, an inventor, somebody who's created an idea, I think one of their first things that they say is, you know, it's not, it's not that anybody's smarter than anybody. It's just, I happen to have capitalized on it or gotten it mm-hmm. patented or whatever the case is before anybody else. Right. I think that's what it comes down to. So it's interesting. Um, yeah. you know, um, so I think, but, yeah, sorry, go ahead. continue. No, no, no. I think that, you know, I think that's, that's spot on. And I, I, I think equally as important sort of that gap that was in the industry that we, we sort of felt not only on the seller side, the people that were needing a way to sell their homemade food, mm-hmm but also the consumer, right? And maybe from me, my perspective, I'm not the creator, I'm more of the consumer. I, you know, I fell into the same sort of gap. There wasn't a way to find things that I needed or wanted, right? So, you know, an example was I, our daughter had a birthday party a couple of years ago um, when we first thought of the idea and she had this theme, she's five at the end, she, I think she was three. 
she had this theme that she wanted. So I thought, all right, let's jump on it. Got on Pinterest, found the perfect Pinterest cookies for, um, for her themed party, went to try to find them. And I couldn't, there was nobody, the things that popped up in my searches were the local grocery store. And when I called them, they said, oh no, we just have, you know, regular cookies. So it was just, I knew that there were so many of them out there. And so the frustrating part for the consumer was, you know, I like those people are there. I want to buy from those people, but I also, you know, I have this, this thought, this unique, whether it's cookies or, or like you, you want to find somebody that, that can cook like your aunts. Cause you can't have her down all the time. And you know what I mean? Like they're just, there was never that way. And we were, we were actually driving, like she's from El Paso. So we were actually driving an hour and a half to a, a small uh, Mexican restaurant in Arlington where nobody spoke English just to get good salsa. Authentic salsa. Like, and we would buy huge styrofoam cups full, like three or four of them at a time and come home and freeze them just so we could have good salsa, like the good stuff. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. same thing with the restaurant. Like that was the only place and we would drive, you know, an hour, hour and a half to go eat good Sicilian American food. And then when they shut down, we kept, we, we quit driving all that way, but we, you know, people will drive for good food. People will pay extra for, for the good stuff. For that jewel, you know, know? grandma's cooking that, that maybe she's no longer here and they miss it or, or whatever, you know? No, I'll say people, we will. (laughs) Yeah. The, the foodies. Right. So we've, I mean, we've been kind of dancing around it. We've been talking about Taste Buddy without actually introducing Taste Buddy. Um, so tell us the, like I said, you've we've dropped bits and pieces, but share the origin story of Taste yeah. Buddy. What is so, it? Where did it start? When did it start? Was it just you two? Absolutely. All those. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'll start off. So essentially, Taste Buddy is is really just a platform. Um, that's designed to support, as we kind of talked about, um, and, and provide a way for people, food creators, to sell their homemade, um, authentic, unique food. Um, equally as important as discussed, it's also a way for people to find that 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 jewel, that specific specialty item that they currently can't find in a in a search engine right now. Um, so it's a connection tool for those people. Um, and you know, we provided some examples there on on both sides, but. Again, it's a, it's, it's a platform that, that's available on an app. It'll be available on web, on desktop. Um, so just a seamless, um, single platform to support both sides, right? Um, and, and sort of how it was recreated, again, uh, was really in our kitchen. We just, you know, we we're trying to figure out a solution for Jared to be able to, you know, pursue his career, have his family life do everything that he's doing, but also still be able to have that dream of opening up a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, on my side, being able to easily seamlessly uh, find those unique items. So again, that's when we, it, you know, the, the little start in our eyes and a little light bulb uh, was there was that gap in the food industry. There wasn't a way to do all that, but the, the, the market was there, right? And we're so digitally mm-hmm. forward now as a, as a world um, that it just made sense to try to create some sort of virtual marketplace or digital marketplace and restaurant. And we also knew people that that had these special gifts with the baking cookies and cakes that are like doing crazy good stuff that would put a lot of these uh, little shops to shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and nobody knows about them and there's no way for them to get out, you know, and know about it. And the place we were driving to go get salsa, there's no way uh, to, to find out about it unless we did like 20 minutes worth of research to try to find it. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what it, that's what it was. Like people just don't, they either don't have the time, they don't have the resources, they don't have the financial backing. They don't know the first step and what to do. So that's why this platform is just, again, it's just an easy way um, to do that uh, in very, very cost-effective ways. So it was just Jared and I um, on the original idea. Our first step was, okay, let's see if this idea is already out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so our kind of our first step was we, we called um, our patent attorneys and, and asked, and they did some research and the idea wasn't uh, there. So we pursued that and started that. Um, and then we immediately called, um, who I, I say it can probably be with us from the beginning, um, is our graphic designer that, that does all the work for Jared's music. Um, we called him immediately and said, okay, are you ready for this? We've got an idea um, and uh, we just need help kind of bringing it to fruition. So we started that whole process of what is the design going to look like? How is it going to, you know, function? What's the name? What are the colors? What's the brand? So he helped us sort of create that, um, you know, and then from there, more and more steps uh, occurred. But yeah, that's generally how it sort of was conceived and and sort of started. Um, it's kind of funny how the good Lord like um, marks your steps for you or puts you in the right path with everybody. And so all these relationships that we had created from years ago, all of a sudden they had bigger purpose than what we were already doing with it. And he just, like the designer... He just happened to be like a, a awesome, you know, techie designer as well that like actually did this for a living as his real job and was doing, you know, side work with us. And uh, and he became the man like he's, you know, and then the techie world with with Kristen, you know, living in that world for a while, she was able to sit at the CEO position mm-hmm. and and really hammer down and and do things that I had no clue about. Like literally I would have been lost, but she was just in there guiding people who were, who were in the techie world. And it was very impressive to see her like, you know, go to town like that. But, but it, it worked. If she wouldn't have had that last job, Mm -hmm. I mean, we would have found a way, but I mean, it just fit, you know. That brings up an interesting point too, because I think that a lot of times, especially in the younger years, you think, what, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why, like, this just doesn't even make sense. And sometimes you just kind of have to go with it. Like, you'll never know until it could be 15, 20 years later, but you just kind of have to roll with it. And that's sort of the position that we were in. And it was funny because when it happened, when the idea came to mind, it was November of 2019, um, when we started sort of that patent process. And then COVID hit mm-hmm. and we were actually another, another thing, a couple, you know, that we're doing, we, we also have a, a couple of other ideas that we're, we're looking to pursue and, and get patented that are in that process. And we were actually going to start with something else yeah. uh, and then COVID hit. And so we actually had to call our developers and say, okay, we're going to transition from this idea, starting this idea. And we're going to, we're going to start taste buddy first just, it, you know, it obviously made sense. And so that was another thing for us was it was very, you know, it wasn't one of these like journey 
uh, sort of marathon ideas. Like we wanted to act quickly. And so the team yeah. that we brought on had to work quickly and the idea had to come quickly and we had to expedite it, you know, to stay on yeah. top of it. Yeah. I think people are tired of talking about COVID and how it impacted their business, yeah. but, but I mean, truthfully, I think it's, it's kind of interesting to, to think about your approach because from my perspective, I'm thinking you wanted to act quickly for taste buddy during COVID was because during a time where people couldn't go out or people were cooking at home or had more of this time. Is that a reason for why you wanted to expedite that process of getting taste buddy off the ground and going? Yeah, I think that certainly helped. I think the main thing was, was trying to help these, you know, like because of COVID the world just in the food industry just went a different direction and it will continue yeah. to never go back to its origin. Right. But yeah, it was, it was watching these, these people suffer. I come from that industry. I was watching my colleagues um, lose jobs and lose homes. And, you know, again, there had to be a way. And that's, that's why we literally quickly transitioned and, and went full force to, to help these people. Um, and although Taste Buddy is still, um, hasn't completely launched yet, um, it still is giving those people hope. Those, those sellers, the, the people that will sell their food on Taste Buddy um, have started that process already. There, a lot of them are beta testers. Um, they're just, they're excited. There's a new way. Um, and again, it, 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 it will never go back to the old way. Right. And so, and so with, with taste buddy, we've based it all on truth. Like we, you know, you can't, you can't be greedy. You can't be bought by money, everything to, in order to run taste buddy, it has to be ran off of truth for it to run correctly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and it's, it's so that everybody can live the American dream and you don't have to have investors. You, it's literally built from the ground floor up to where you can start with absolutely nothing. And we give you everything you need, analytics, your storefront, your virtual storefront property on it, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and everything else in order to manage a, a very good business. And so the sky's the limit with it. Hey, thanks again for joining us for part one of Taste Buddy's three-part series. Join us next time as we begin digging into the logistics and operations behind Taste Buddy. You can find their business on social media by looking up Taste Buddy Foods on Instagram and Taste Buddy on LinkedIn. To stay up to date with Venturing Out, you know you can find us on Instagram by searching Baylor Venturing Out or Venturing Out on LinkedIn. We look forward to seeing you next time.